1: Welcome to Sideline Sanity with me, Michelle Tafoya, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There has never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Go to LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. Well, what do you think about this raid? It is a raid. I don't know how to parse it any other way. There was a raid on a former president's home. First time in history. We're going to talk about it next with the CEO of The Federalist, Sean Davis. Welcome to Sideline Sanity everyone. We're going to try and use some sanity to look at something that almost boggles the mind to insanity. This raid on the personal home of a former president to help us pick through all of this Sean Davis, the CEO of the Federalist. You can see it everything at the federalist.com. Sean, I appreciate you joining us. I this your whole I'm I'm on your website right now and it's really The headline under Biden's DOJ, the rule of law in America has become a farce. What when this happened, what was your first reaction when you hear the word raid?
2: So when I got the news, I think it was Monday evening, like six, six thirty ish. My very first thought, my instinctive reaction was the republic is over. And I know that can s- sound kind of like histrionic or a little dramatic, but w- let's take stock of what happened here. Let's forget that it was Donald Trump. Because as soon as you say Donald Trump, people's brains just shut down. and they Yes, can't that's think. so true. Yeah, they can't think anymore. Um, yeah. We had uh, a, a president, a regime here, who used its powers, its own law enforcement arm, to go and raid the home, not just of uh, a previous president, President, not just the president who the current administration uh, went up against during the election, but potentially the next U.S. president and the next uh, opposing party candidate running against the current regime—that is terrifying, and that is not something that happens in democratic, free republic. Uh, that is something that happens in tin pot, third world banana republic dictatorships where you get a new government comes in and they immediately imprison and try everyone who prevented them from coming in in the first place. It, it, it is truly Republic ending stuff to see what's happening and what's unfolding before us right now.
1: So the so two things that you said are really important, forget that it's Trump uh, because I think that people can't and certainly the other side There were people rejoicing over this scene, people actually saying, remember where you were tonight, because this is one of those moments. And and so I think because it is Trump, they're willing to say, well, you think this is bad? What about January 6th? And they're going to refer to that every single time and say he deserves this. He deserves whatever he gets. How do you argue with that mindset, Sean? Well, you,
2: you can't argue with that mindset. All you can do is is demonstrate its folly. And I can see how it can be tempting in a vacuum saying, well, uh, if, you, if you've only looked at the last year, well, January 6th. So clearly it was an insurrection and he's a traitor. The problem yeah. with that is most of us have been alive for the past six years. And most of us got to see what happened really starting in 2015, um, we watched them do the Russian collusion hoax against Trump. We watched that whole campaign, which was bought, paid for, funded by the Hillary Clinton campaign, using their own Russian foreign agents, by the way. Uh, just a bit of kafka theater there. thats almost too ridiculous to believe it's true. The Clinton campaign paid a literal Russian asset, a literal Russian foreign agent, to tell them that Trump was a foreign agent. But we had the Russian collusion hoax in which the FBI doctored and fabricated emails in a federal warrant to go spy on a Trump campaign affiliate, which can then be used to spy on the Trump campaign. And they didn't just do it once. They did it repeatedly with these FISA Mm -hmm. spy warrants. They used fake opposition research in there. So that's number one. Number two, uh, after that, we had the whole Ukraine phone call hoax which was absurd. We had the Mueller uh, investigation, which we were told was totally on the up and up because uh, Robert Mueller is just such a straight shooter and everyone respects him, until we saw him actually perform before Congress in his hearing where he looked like somehow a slightly less uh, mentally agile and animatronic version of Joe Biden. (laughs) Then we got to see what they did to Kavanaugh where they accused a guy who's probably the biggest Boy Scout to have ever been nominated to any federal judgeship in history. They tried to slur him as, as a, uh, the leader of a secret gang rape cartel in Maryland in, <laughs> yeah. in the 80s and 90s, okay? So then after that, we saw the January 6th stuff, and now we see this. And I'm sorry, if you've been alive for the last six or seven years and you've watched this, you can't honestly look at what's happened and say, you know what, we should probably just trust the FBI, we should probably just trust <laughs> well, <laughs> the people doing this they've earned our trust
1: yeah no they haven't and that that is a very scary part of this that they haven't earned they're losing our trust by the day i hope that you know i use this word a lot and i, I hope sane minds can come to the conclusion that this is craziness particularly if if it is about documents Sean, as we are hearing this is about documents. So you needed armed people to show up. You needed sirens and lights and you needed this whole show because of documents. So, I mean, am I wrong that this seems really outlandish? (laughs) It's absurd. And I think
2: it's absurd for more reasons than just what are they doing sending 30 Agents to raid a president's home. And to understand how ridiculous it is, I think you have to understand a little bit about how classification works in the US government. So you have documents that are classified, they may be top secret or confidential or classified or whatever. And that generally controls who's allowed to see and disseminate these documents. But when you look at the underlying law of how classification works, about who gets to classify and declassify things, when you look at the executive orders about classification, What you learn is that the president of the United States is the ultimate classification authority. If the president sitting in his office looks at a document and says, this is declassified, it is declassified. He doesn't have to go tell anyone. He doesn't have to get anyone's approval. He doesn't have to have a functionary somewhere stamp it with the right stamp and use the right pen to sign off on it. The president himself, with no other notice, no other notification, can unilaterally declassify whatever he wants, whenever he wants, for whatever reason he wants. So this idea that Donald Trump, when he went down to Mar-a-Lago and and had these documents, was somehow stealing classified documents, or that he could somehow mishandle uh, or or, or, uh, improperly uh, disseminate classified documents, it's a legal impossibility. It's metaphysically, ontologically, epistemologically Uh, Literally impossible for him to do that. So it, it is even more absurd if this is over documents than if it were over something else, because the president cannot possibly mishandle classified documents because he's the ultimate authority of how they need to be handled.
1: Wasn't there someone who stuffed classified documents into his socks and pants and took them out of where they were supposed to be? Did that person ever get raided?
2: No, that was Sandy Berger. That was uh, Bill Bill Clinton's, uh, I think his national security advisor, yeah, went into a SCIF, uh, a a secure compartmentalized information facility, which is like one of these little special rooms where you can't bring stuff in or take stuff out to look at classified info. And he went in there to look at documents that I believe implicated him in some stuff and tried to leave with them in his socks or his pants or something. And my recollection is that he might have gotten a slap on the wrist, but he certainly didn't get convicted of a felony. And I don't recall anyone ever raiding his home, nor do I recall that happening to Hillary Clinton herself, who deliberately, systematically, over a long period of time, was taking classified information from State Department and storing it on her personal server in her basement in her uh, home in Chappaqua. I mean – say what you will. People like to say, well, Clinton, uh, uh, Trump said, lock her up. So this is the same thing. So it's time to lock him up. <laughs> Hillary Clinton was never the president of the United States. She was bound by all those those classification laws and rules that she violated. She was never right. president. She couldn't do the things that Trump or Biden or Clinton or anyone else could do.
1: The, this, is, this story has so many tentacles. And so the one I want to get to next is as you've suggested, this is trying to take out a political opponent before he can run against you, which is one of the most un American things ever. And what people are going to say automatically is well, the insurrection on January 6th was the most un American thing ever. So let's just weigh those things in a second. Uh, Sean Davis, our guest, back in a second. Well, you know, since November of last year, a lot has changed. The stock market has plummeted, but gold has been on the rise. Gas prices remain very high. The stock market is extremely volatile. Inflation is worse than it's been in four decades. We have this war with Russia and Ukraine, and we just had the home of a former president raided. The markets don't like instability, but the good news is you have options. Gold prices are rising as investors turn to gold for protection because gold provides a hedge against inflation and protects against a weakening dollar. Legacy Precious Metals is the only company I trust for investing in gold and silver. You need an investment that will protect your wealth and retirement. Call Legacy Precious Metals today. Be proactive while there's still time. Remember 2008? Those who invested in gold saw huge gains others lost their retirements. Legacy Precious Metals can advise you on all of your options. They can answer all of your questions. So you can speak to an IRA expert at Legacy Precious Metals at 866-528-1903, 866-528-1903, or download their free investor's guide at LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com.
0: Back with Sean Davis, CEO
1: of the Federalist. So th- this, this whole raid, it really didn't surprise me because I, I, it feels as though this continual trying to take down of Donald Trump has been going on, as you enumerated earlier, since, since the beginning of time. Let's just face it. Um, so I wasn't shocked. Now I'm really saddened by it because of what it means to America, but they, they, you know, the, January 6th, this commission, are they achieving what it is they want to achieve ultimately here, which is get Donald Trump away from the White House, never able to have access again? Is this January 6th committee achieving that?
2: Oh, I don't think it is at all. I think it's been a complete failure uh, and it's been a, a failure on a couple of different fronts, legally and politically. Legally, the, the qualifications for who gets to be president and run for president are spelled out in the Constitution, And Congress, certainly not by a unilateral single party committee in one chamber, doesn't get to decide who runs for president. Uh, You have to be a natural born citizen. You have to be 35 years or older. That's it. And if anyone wants to change that and add new qualifications, they have to actually go in and amend the Constitution and do that whole process. And unfortunately for Nancy Pelosi, that that's a lot harder to do than just breaking your own House rules and having a committee of nothing but Democrat appointees on it. Uh, but politically, I also think it's been a huge oh, they'll, failure.
1: They'll, they'll remind you, though, about Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney. They'll remind you about those two Republicans. Well, they were they were appointed and they'll by say, Democrats. Why isn't that enough for they, you? They Sean? were
2: appointed by Democrats. Yeah, and, and the House rules actually right. say that uh, members from the other party of another committee actually have to be appointed by that party. So it actually doesn't matter if they claim to be Republicans. They were appointed by a Democrat, number one. Number two, the rules state and even the resolution creating that committee states that there have to be so many members uh, from the opposing party. So they didn't even satisfy that. They only put two uh, you know, alleged Republicans, Kinzinger and Cheney, on that committee. So not only are they not following House rules, they're not even following the own uh, requirements of their resolution creating that committee. Uh, But politically, I think they're failing as well. There was uh, a poll out yesterday or the day before kind of gauging people on what they thought about Trump and J6 and all that. And what they found is that people were 4% less likely uh, to blame Trump for what happened at 28% than they were before uh, all this committee nonsense started when they when 32 percent thought it was Trump's fault. So it's been a, it's a it's a failure legally, which it, it was never going to be anything but a failure. But it's also been a total failure politically, because when you have a recession, when you have wages going down, inflation going up, gas being unaffordable, shelves being empty. People are not sitting around uh, caring about what Donald Trump did on a day a year or two ago. They're wondering, why does no one in Washington care what's happening to me? Why do they not care about what's going on in my kids' schools? Why do they not care that I can't afford groceries? That's going to be what drives this next election, not, not January 6th Trump obsession from the left.
1: I'm, really, I'm hearing both sides of this so heavily. So you'll have to forgive me, Sean, if I sort of beat a dead horse here, but there are really good friends of mine, sane, smart people who hate this Donald Trump, this former president so much, and they believe what happened on January 6th was caused by him, that he let it happen, that he sat in the White House for all those hours, didn't try to quell everything, and that for that that dereliction of duty to protect people and to protect the capital should just disqualify him. So th- th- that feeling is so intense. I'm just wondering how Trump can, po- whether or not they can criminally charge him. How does he overcome that? Or, or do you think, like you just said, the-, the politics are so bad right now that that's enough.
2: It's a good question. Uh, I would say I don't think Trump has to overcome uh, that the hatred of people who've always hated him. What, what Trump has to do is he has to win over that middle of the country um, that, that elected him in 2016. Uh, and then many of whom said, you know what, I, I don't think this guy's the right guy. I want to try someone new. That's who he has to win over. I mean, he, he is uh, mm-hmm. extremely strong in his own party, stronger than George W. Bush was. Um, And so there's this kind of myth going around seated by a lot of people on the left that, oh, the Republican Party, it's fractured. It's it's uh, divided. They're in the midst of their own civil war. That is not true at all. Uh, uh, The Republican Party is is very firmly behind Donald Trump uh, because they saw what he did as president. And that's the thing. To me, it's a different ballgame in 2016 versus 2020. Uh, I was super skeptical in 2016 that Trump was going to do the things that I wanted a president to do. Uh, I I was worried that he was just another one of these secret liberals who was going to come in, pretend to be a Republican, and then do liberal things. And then what did the guy do? He appoints three new Supreme Court justices who end up overturning Roe v. Wade, which has been a conservative goal uh, since the mid-70s when Roe v. Wade uh, was uh, issued by the Supreme Court. Uh, We saw what he did with the economy. We saw that he stopped getting us in in completely unproductive, unnecessary wars. So I think what you're going to have are a bunch of people who are not politics obsessives, who are just living their lives and trying to get by day to day and raising their family, being able to now compare, was my life better when Trump was president? Or was my life better when Biden was president? And if that's the decision they're making going into the voting booth, I'm sorry, but Joe Biden uh, is in a world of trouble.
1: When it comes down to that binary choice, I get it. I get it. But we've got a lot of time between now and that time to walk into the voting booth. I, it, this is interesting to me. This is anecdotal, but I'm from a, an Hispanic family. And it, it's very interesting that people think Hispanics are all Democrats, because that's not the case. We're seeing more and more of that, of course. My uncle in New Mexico recently passed away, my brother went to the funeral. And talked with some of our relatives and they were Trump supporters, but they don't feel like he should run again. Now, this was before this raid. I'm going to point that out. And again, it's anecdotal, but I hear it from other people saying, I I, I wish he wouldn't. He was such a firebrand. He was such a divisive figure. No matter what he did that was productive and positive, people hated him. They thought they saw it as chaos. The perception was their reality that this was just a chaotic, uh, arrogant man who was a disgrace. I mean, the names I've heard people call him. So I think people would like something somewhere in between. And so we're in this moment where we're feeling this about this raid and that, as you said, he's got to run now because you can't let the other side win at trying to take out a political opponent this way. But I, I wonder if this moment is going to be enough to carry the day in people's minds that way. Oh, yeah.
2: I I, I completely agree with that. And I'll tell you, in my own mind, I go back and forth all the time. Do I want him to run again? Do I want DeSantis to run again? Um, What it comes down to is I just want someone to run who's going to beat Biden and who's going to do what needs to be done to restore the rule of law and some semblance of sanity in our country. So I I think that's a totally normal process that people are going through. And you are exactly right that, uh, you know, a year, two years in politics is an absolute eternity because I remember walking out of the state of the union. I think it was February 5th, uh, 2020. Trump blew the roof off the place. It was electric in there. The economy was better than it had ever been. And I remember walking out, And and talking uh, to someone afterwards and saying Trump's going to win in a landslide, like nobody is going to be able to touch the results uh, that he's put together. And then what happened? Uh, China unleashes COVID on us, changes the world forever. And and now we're looking at Biden as president for another two years. So, yeah, I I agree. Politics is so fickle. Um, You probably recall Desert Storm uh, 90, 91 where George Herbert Walker Bush at one point had a 91 percent approval rating, which is unheard of. And then less than a year and a half later, he lost to Bill Clinton and only got 40 percent of the vote. So everything you say is correct. Um, Two years is an eternity. But I just don't see Biden turning things around because he's incapable of it. And I think that's really the um, the ace uh, in the hole that Trump has is that he has everything that Biden's done to this country to run against.
1: Well, that that is that is for certain. All right. One more quick break and we'll finish up with Sean Davis talking about this raid that happened at Mar-a-Lago, the implications for the 2024 election and so on and so forth. Back right after this. Well, Uncle Tom, too, unveils the Marxist agenda, pushing anger and discontent, to overshadow Black's identity with the Christian and American culture that made them successful. Pre-order Uncle Tom 2 today on SalemNow.com. Go to SalemNow.com. Do it now at SalemNow.com. Sean, if it's Trump versus Biden 2024, I'll be stunned because I don't think Joe Biden will run. That's I, I've said this for the last year, and I know it's we're still only halfway through his presidency, but he's shown the world and American voters how fragile he is, how inept in many cases he is. It's not the kind of leadership that people want to see in the White House. And furthermore, it I think a lot of us are starting to wonder who really is pulling the levers there, who's in control, because this moderate man who wanted to unite us is doing anything but and has really run some things into the ground. Uh, and it, it, to me, it started with the moment he shut down the Keystone Pipeline. Basically, when he walked into the Oval Office, that was the first thing he did, Biden. I thought, oh, here we go. This is going to get bad. And it's gotten successively worse. So I, like you just said a minute ago, you don't think Biden can, can recoup anything. It's just gone so poorly. So if he, not him running, Who?
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm with you. I don't. I don't possibly see how he could run. Uh, I mean, he can barely walk. I guess the count. The <laughs> counter argument there would be uh, he managed it in 2020. They they dragged him across the finish line with completely uh, unheard of mail-in voting and, and all that. Once, why wouldn't they be able to do it again? Uh, but I generally. Mm-hmm. I I just I don't see how he can do it. Like the, I don't think he knows where he is half the time. And uh, you look at the next person in line, Kamala Harris, she was so unpopular in her own party that she had to drop out of that primary before a single vote was cast. So I don't think it's going to be her either. Uh, You've got Eric Adams in New York. Lots of people seem to be talking about him. Um, Gavin Newsom, I think, gets up every morning and looks in the mirror and sees the U.S. president. So I'm sure he's going to run. I think it is going to be an absolute uh, mess uh, for the Democrats, because they have no unity in that party. For all the talk about Republicans being in disarray, that party is an absolute mess right now. And and I don't know what they're going to do two years from now if Joe Biden uh, can't be weakened at Bernie's enough uh, to be able to run another campaign. All right. What about AOC? Yeah, AOC, I, I think she's a novelty act in the Democrat Party. Uh, she seems to really excite the hardcore left wing partisans there. But her having a, a national candidacy, given the idiocy that she spouts off, I, I think she's a joke. Um, and it's nice that she excites really hardcore lefties, but the idea of her ever being able to unite the whole party or somehow getting to be a presidential standard bearer—I I just maybe I have a lack of imagination. I don't. I don't see it happening. I-
1: I don't know. I don't either. I, if when you look at just the, um, a mainstream America, the middle America, or as what Wanda Sykes calls, you know, those of us that live in the middle, in the red, we should know our position. Uh, anyway, I, I don't think those folks are going to buy into AOC either. Um, final thing for you, Sean. I, I need some optimism here. I need, and, and don't fake it. I, I don't want that. But I want to know what makes you hopeful about Something going right for America and getting us back on track, because I got to tell you, by the day, I'm getting more depressed. So this probably isn't the
2: answer you're looking for. I know this is not a religious podcast. Uh, my hope is in Christ. I know where I'm going. I know where my family's going. We know it awaits us. And so I'm a big believer. I think it's Hebrews twelve one. run the race with perseverance that's been marked out for you. So I'm running my race. We're running our race. I don't know what the outcome is going to be, but I know at the end, good wins and evil loses. And that's what gets me up in the morning and and fuels me and keeps me optimistic about the future.
1: Well, you know what? That's it is an interesting answer. And basically what you just said, good wins, evil loses. That's what I pray for every single day. I and I and I also pray for certain people to open their eyes and identify the evil where it is, because I think it's it's a wolf in sheep's clothing very often, and we we've got to identify it. Sean Davis, I hope we can do this again. Absolutely, great conversation, and I appreciate you. And I am uh, a fan of the Federalist. And for people who haven't read it, haven't looked at it, just go to the Federalist dot com. Some really terrific writing there. Sean Davis, again, thanks. Thank you so much. You got it. This has been Sideline Sanity. I'm Michelle Tafoya. Be brave, do good, and check out The Federalist. Well, we always appreciate it when Charles Thorngren can join the join the podcast and talk a little money and gold in particular with us. Gold and silver. And Charles, it's these are mad times. I mean, it's just really wacky. And anyone who's watching the stock market is probably asking themselves, what do I do? I don't, I don't know, you know, I'm not, I don't know how to ride this roller coaster with everyone. And so obviously you recommend investing in precious metals. What's the first step that someone should take in learning about what precious metals can do for them?
3: You know, the the first step, um give us a call, right? We're, we're going to show you what options they're available. Um, that's what Legacy is about, is showing you options and educating everyone. The important thing to know is that we don't invest in gold and silver because it's pretty or because it's it's unique. Those things are true, but we do it because it has the history of being the true diversity for someone's portfolio. It's the insurance policy against everyone's retirement and their, uh, their savings. So, so this is why we look at, at gold and silver specifically. It's the currency that was always meant to be, right? It's not a fiat currency. There's no um, inflationary effect on it. Gold and silver are going to be worth what they're worth. The thing that changes with everything is the amount of dollars it takes to buy that gold and silver and the amount of dollars you get for owning that gold and silver. That's the big key. And this is what people don't understand about it typically is that it is not the stock market and it is not the dollar. It's an investment that is counter to both of those. So it gives you true diversity and balance is what everyone's looking for right now. They just don't know it. As inflation gets higher, this is where gold and silver come in.
1: Someone is saying, "Okay, I want to do this, but I want to choose one or the other. When they call you and ask you these questions, when would you recommend gold and when would you recommend silver?
3: You know, that's a great question. And what a lot of people wind up doing is actually doing a little of both because that's possible, right? But it's going to depend on your specific investment parameters. And that's one of the things we're going to do that we're we're different from your typical stockbroker because we're not going to say, this is what all my customers are doing because that's not what's important. What's important is what matters to you and your portfolio. When is your retirement coming up? What are you looking to accomplish, right? What are your risks? What are, what, are your, what are your safety features that you need? So there's a lot that goes into it. And what we do here is talk with you, right? Our, our big thing is to educate you so that you understand why you're doing it as well as in what form and fashion. Because that's important.
1: It is important. And I think, too, that people people probably think uh, I'm a small investor. This is not for me. I can't I can't afford to do this. I can't afford to do this at a level that will benefit me. To them, you would say what?
3: Um, I don't think you can afford not to. If you have money saved and you're not flush with cash, it's more important than ever for you to make sure that you put yourself in a protective situation. Right. You have less to lose. So you should not lose it. It, It's really, you know, it's it's not about how much money you have or don't have. It's about how much protection you need. And if you don't have a, a very large portfolio, then you probably need it more than the guy who does because you can't afford that loss. And look at what the market's done over the course of the year. We are talking about a situation where the loss is extravagant and it's not done yet. This is why we look at uh, precious metals to counter that.
1: And lastly, Charles, for those who fear that a recession may already be here or is coming. What do you tell them about how in a recession this investment helps out?
3: Great question. A couple answers there. We are in a recession, um, but the reality is it's not going to get bad for a few more months. Then it's really going to be bad. What we see happen next year is going to be devastating. Just think 2007, 2008, right? The troubles with 2008 happened in 2007. It just took time for it to hit the market in a real sense. And this is what we see. You know, we have inflationary numbers that rival the eighties. That's something that's going to be dramatic. So, When we look at this, we say, why do we want to do it? And that's exactly why it helps because it's not the dollar and it's not the stock market, right? This is the safe haven investment. And if you look at long-term wisdom, that's what metals do. They give you a place to store your wealth without the effects of inflation, right? Inflation is good for your metals. The stock market correcting is good for your metals, a weak economy is better for your metals. So that's what it's meant to do. And that's why it has its place in the economy. We're talking about a worst case scenario right now, but even under the best of terms, the government tells you two to 3% inflation is a good thing. And at two or 3%, it doesn't sound bad, right? But over the course of your retirement and your lifetime investing, if you go 40 years, you've lost over 120% of value of your dollar. By not having metals so even in the best of times there should be some in your portfolio and during the worst you really want to make sure you get a hold of somebody who can explain why and show you what options you have
1: yeah that's why we love to recommend legacy precious metals on our show sideline sanity so the website is legacy dot investments.com You can also go to the website and find the phone number to call, learn a whole lot more. It's just worth asking some questions, right? A quick phone call and getting more information about everyone's specific situation.
3: Absolutely. We're a no-pressure organization. Everyone who contacts us, they reach out to us. We share information. If it's right for you, great. If it's not, that's great, too. Learning something never hurt anybody.
1: No, that is true. And we're (laughs) glad we had you on to learn something from you today, Charles Thorngren. Again, it's LegacyPMInvestments.com. Please go check them out. Just ask some questions, learn a little something. Thank you so much, Charles.
3: My pleasure. Thank you.